Welcome to the NL Full Time. I'm Luke Edwards, and we've got a, a mixed lineup this week. We've given Rob and Dickie a couple of weeks off. Rob is on holiday, so he is away. So, in his place, we have brought in James Reed. Hello, James. Hi, Luke. How are you? Very well. Good to have you back on the pod. And uh, Dickie's watching all 18 episodes of Welcome to Wrexham. So, we've drafted in Tom Feeney. Hello, Tom. Hello. How are we doing? Very well. Thank you. And also, Widows. Um, one regular from the pod, uh, he's, he, but he's still smart and he's not happy. He's going to go on about that later on. It is Joe Pope. Hello, Joe. Hi there. Thanks for having me back on again. So in the National League, it was a drama all round, as you may well have expected. At the top of the division, it is Chesterfield. They left it late to win at Maidstone. It looks like they're going to drop points and Wrexham were going to leapfrog them. But it was one of their new signings who got them over the line in the end. Yeah, and, you know, absolutely just a fantastic result for them. And obviously they've made that bit of history as well. Now starting a league season, 10 games unbeaten for the first time ever. And I think what they've done is, you know, with Paul Cook, there's been a lot of questions about where this squad could go because, you know, so many questions on Shimanga and his future. I think Paul Cook handled that situation excellently by kind of just giving him a week and just going, look, that move, yeah, it fell through, but now we'll we'll give you that chance. And you talk about the spirit and the character in that dressing room to score late, concede with about a minute to go, and then 94th minute, Darren Aldaker, just, you know, the scenes in that away end, it was just fantastic to see, really, for the spy rights. And I, look, it's going to be a really, really close run, top of the table come the end of the season, but these are the kind of results you look back at the end of the campaign and go, that was the result and that could be the result that, you know, is the difference for them. Yeah, Tom, I know on Paul Cook, there was a lot of question marks, certainly from myself and, and the team here, because the last two jobs he's been in, he's not done that well because he didn't have Liam Richardson alongside him. And that was a question mark again. I know he's got Shamanga there. He didn't have Shamanga at the end of last season and he struggled. Do you think Shamanga is the big sort of game-changing and a big difference-maker for them? I think he'll certainly make a, a big difference. And, you know, he, he's one of those players where if he'd have got that move to the Championship, I don't think anyone would have begrudged him it. But when that fell through, you could see kind of the almost celebrations from Chesterfield fans on social media afterwards. And, you know, I think it's interesting because there was a lot of pressure on Paul Cook and you could tell that at the end of last season, you know, that, that press conference that on Zoom where it all kind of kicked off. And, you know, they then got that really good win against Halifax Town. And it, it felt like, you know, maybe they'll be that team that surprised people. Obviously, that didn't happen. They lost to Solihull. But then this season, you know, it has just been a very well-worked pre-season. You know, the players that they've aimed to sign, they've signed. They've been able to keep the likes of Shimanga. And, you know, again, it is going to be such a tough top of that table that, you know, but Chesterfield definitely will be there come the end of the season. Whether they're first or whether they're in them playoffs, that's the question. Yeah, hot on the heels are Wrexham. Uh, a big 6-0 win for them. Six different scorers as well, uh, as I like that, because I think well, it's a team game. Everyone's chipped in and scored. But one man who's not happy about that is Joe, because it was Tarky who were on the end of it. Yeah, um, obviously another... Disappointing afternoon for Torquay. Um, I think most Torquay fans, if not all, expected defeat yesterday um, at the racecourse ground, but perhaps not a 6-0. Um, but, you know, the, it's another game in which 
apparently, I mean, I didn't go to the game, but speaking to some of the Wrexham fans that went, said that Torquay played some good stuff. I mean, great, you know, <laughs> lose 6-0. Um, you, uh, and you come away saying you've played a little bit of good football. Um, I'm certainly not going to be putting out the bunting uh, for that one. Um, but, uh, yeah, obviously, uh, you know, Wrexham showed their class. Um, you know, you look at all the players that are on the score sheet for them. Um, you know, big players that they've signed, be it this summer or last summer. Um, obviously, a, a good win for them. Uh, another game in which it looks like uh, the game itself was uh, overshadowed by more coin and bottle throwing from the Wrexham supporters. Um which uh, obviously happened la- in last year's game at Wrexham. And with cost of living, you don't really wasting them pennies, do you? No, exactly not. Um, we could have uh, Torquay could have rounded those up and got themselves a new centre forward with one of those. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, um, d- disappointing afternoon. And uh, unfortunately, questions will be asked again over Gary Johnson. You know, is he the man to take uh, Torquay forward? I think it's very much split. Mm. Um, the Torquay fan base, obviously where we are saying, you know, he deserves to go. Those that look at the team, you know, this is a completely new team. And people look at it and say that Gary Johnson's doing a terrible job. I mean, it's not great at the moment. But one thing to, you know, look at is the team that got to the playoff final, there's only two players from that team that are still at Torquay. Um, So this whole team is completely new, all young. um, And he is trying to slowly, um, you know, mould the team. Um, I'm, I'm just hoping that results like this uh, sort of give us the the kick up the what's it that we need, really. Yeah, bottom of the division, lowest scorers in the division as well. I mean, you are only a point off getting out of the relegation zone. And like I said, last season, Gary Johnson had a lot of credit in the bank, didn't he, for getting to the playoff final. That credit sounds like it's wearing a bit thin now. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, he's lost a lot of good players in the summer. And I think that's what gave him a little bit of a comfort blanket last year in that he did manage to retain a good crop of players that have since gone on to the EFL. But now, uh, obviously, it's just a completely new team. He's having to rebuild from scratch and um, he is struggling at the moment. Um, but it's sort of sh- uh, following the same pattern to last year, you know, struggled at the start. I expect he will turn it round. Um, these players are starting to you know, or trying to at least, you know, form a, some sort of coherent team. Obviously, it didn't show that yesterday. Um, but it is looking like uh, Johnson's time is coming to an end, be it this season or the end or of next. Yeah, we'll keep our eye on that, of course, across the podcast. In third, Tom, it is not counting. A really good win away at York. We'll get on to York shortly, but is Macaulay Langstaff going back to his old club and getting two goals there? Yeah, and, you know... Top goal scorer in the five divisions now, 12 goals. I mean, it's an interesting one because, you know, when he was at York City, he looked, he just looked like he was missing something. And it it was one of those, it was really difficult to put your finger on because he was getting in good positions and just not getting the chances, you know, not converting them. And I've got to say just the the first goal by Knox yesterday, it's a, you know, it's a goal of the season contender. It's an absolutely wonderful 35-yard free kick right into the top corner. And then Langstaff's able to get two for himself as well. And, you know, for Notts, it's, again, they're a team where they've had a really good pre-season. They were able to get that head coach and that they were, they kind of, he fitted into the mould that they wanted. And then, you know, they've been able to raid Gates out of their two best players. And 
you know, it, it really has worked for them so far. But it's going to be really interesting, you know, with that Wrexham game coming up in a short amount of time to see just what happens with that one. Yeah, and for York, I mean, they're in ninth position and a good solid start for them to live back in the National League. Yeah, definitely. You know, and a lot of work done by John Afke and those behind the scenes like Sir Kingsley James because, you know, it was a it was an interesting one where a team goes up and normally there's that credit for the, the players. You know, you've got us promoted, we'll give you a chance. With John Afke, it was very much a case of, right, a lot of you are going and, you know, to kind of build an int- nearly a new squad, you know, they've been well backed with that, obviously, with the takeover that's happened. But I think, you know, for your no real complaints from yesterday and, you know, they'll be relatively pleased with where they are. And obviously, I think the main thing for them is, you know, John Askey keeps being linked with these jobs. But he's really happy with where he is at the minute. Yeah, in fourth place of Boreham Wood, and uh, we had somebody who saw them. Joe, you saw them at Yeovil on Saturday. How, how was it? Yeah, I mean, it was a pleasure to go to a game with two coherent sides um, that could actually play some football. Um, it was a good game. I think Yeovil probably would be more disappointed um, that they didn't come away with three points. I think they probably edged the game. Um, but once again, it's a, a tale of uh, not being able to convert their chances. Chris Hargreaves has talked this season about the fact that they have been good in games. I think they've only lost three games this season, but six draws, um, hence why they're right down near the bottom. Um, but they played well. Um, Lawson Diaf played really well in the middle. Um, Sam Pearson on loan, he also looked really, really good. Um, and uh, yeah, they, they will come away disappointed. As for Bournewood, I mean, it's, it's exactly what I expected from Bournewood. They weren't brilliant in terms of the football, um, very direct, um, but they're strong. They know their job. I mean, Luke Garrard's got this team playing, you know, he knows how to win games of football. And it looked like that they could uh, snatch it at the end um, with a good chance. Um, but uh, yeah, a useful point on the road for them. Yeah. What, what's the feeling around around Yeovil, uh, Joe? Because obviously when there was a lot of doom and gloom, wasn't it? They thought we're going to struggle. They've, we brought in Chris Hargreaves. He's not managed for a while, but so far, so good. They're not in the relegation zone, are they? Is there kind of a bit more optimism around the place? Yeah, I mean, I, I certainly got that feel yesterday. Um, obviously, from what I've read, obviously, there is disappointment that you've only won, you know, they've only won one game this season. Um, and Chris Hargreaves will just hope that these, you know, games which they're, they're obviously drawing might turn at some point. Um, because they aren't a bad side. I mean, there's a couple of players that he's brought in in the summer that are really, really good. Um, obviously, Pearson being one of those. Um, Jimmy Torre as well impressed yesterday. Um, and it is going to be difficult, um, this initial period, because Chris Hargreaves was taken over from a manager in Darren Sol, who a bit more direct, you know, looks to play more the percentages, whereas yesterday it was quite noticeable that Chris Hargreaves was getting his players to play out from the back you know, be measured and try and play and really have good build-up. Um, but it, it, I would be uh, a little bit more confident about Yeovil's chances. Now, I know I had them to go down um, at the start of the season, but uh, I wouldn't be so uh, so sure on that now. Bromley, they took on Oldham there in the playoff places. Oldham appointed David Unsworth this week. Tom, we'll get onto that very shortly, but Bromley going along well, but another poor result for Oldham. Yeah, really disappointing result. And obviously, kind of all that thing of they've got David Unsworth, you know, changes are going to be made. And, 
you know, obviously this is kind of that baptism of fire for him because Bromley's home record, you know, five home wins for the first time since 2015 in the league. They're on a great run of form. And when Oldham got relegated, obviously, you know, the takeover happened and there was that sense of maybe they, you know, they could be do a Grimsby and bounce straight back up. But there's obviously going to be a lot of changes. I think the thing is, hearing David Unsworth after the game, he knows that's the case. There's going to be a lot being done in the next couple of weeks. And it's, it's going to be really interesting to see just how effective that is. It's an interesting appointment, isn't it? Because I always think the National League, along with the Championship, is one of the hardest divisions to get out of. And you need somebody with that experience. You know, like Dave Challen has done it a couple of times, hasn't he now? And you've got a man there who's never played in the National League, never managed in the National League. His assistant, Franny Jeffers, is the same. So... It's a it's a massive gamble, isn't it? I know he's a good coach by all accounts. He discovered Anthony Gordon, made him the player he is. But it's a massive risk for Oldham, isn't it? They've got to get this right almost. Yeah, and you know I think that's the thing with him is he's obviously somebody who's been in youth football for for so long, very much at one club as well, a long time at Everton, and it is that thing of you know has he got that experience? Because you know with Oldham, if they go three or four games without a win, there is going to be pressure on him, you know, pr- pretty quickly. I know he's signed a, a long-term contract and, you know, I think the, the ownership kind of see it as a, a case of even if they go through a blip, they'll give him that time. But it is going to be really interesting to see what happens. Again, the only thing I would say is he has got some really good contacts and, you know, is it going to be a case of he'll be calling in a few favours? Yeah, absolutely. It'll be interesting to see. Certainly. Um... The Royal family, not that one. We'll be keeping an eye on it because they're involved at Oldham. I've got to um, got to talk about the game down in East London. Surely the game of the day. Um, really topsy-turvy game, wasn't it, Joe? Barnett were 2-0 up at Dagenham. Then they were pegged back two goals in two minutes from uh, Josh Walker and Maro Villette. So they went in 2-2 at half-time. Nicky Kabamba grabbed his second to put Barnett... 3-2 up, then two more quick fire goals, but Dagenham 4-3 up, then a chemo equalised to make it 4-4, and then Walker again got his hat-trick in the third minute of stoppage time to win 5-4. Wow, what a game that was would have been. Yeah, um, obviously a, a key win for Dagenham, uh, perhaps not a, uh, a good win, because obviously uh, conceding four goals there, and obviously having been 2-0 down, the Dagenham fans, so I know not happy with Daryl McMahon, um, they would have been fearing the worst, um, but they show what they're uh, capable of. Um, you know, they are a good attacking side and on their day, they can, you know, do that to any team, you know, scoring five. Um, really, really good side. A little bit disappointed because I never managed to get my uh, weekend preview up this week. And I picked out Josh Walker saying he'd score against his old side and obviously scored a hat-trick yesterday. Um, for Barnet, it, that their good start to the season has somewhat faded. Um, and the same problem that we've always said of Dean Brennan's side, be it last season with Barnett or with Wildstone, is the defence. Um, and I was assured by Barnett fans that their signings in the summer would shore up things, um, but it's not the case. Um, and they'll be looking to uh, to bounce back from that. Um, but yeah, a, go- a good win for, for Dagenham. Down at the bottom, good wins for Altrincham, who got their first win of the season. They were the last team across the three National League divisions to get a win. 
and also Scunthorpe, big win for them against Darkin. But Halifax, we'll get on to them, Tom, because I know you've got your finger on the pulse up there in Yorkshire. Another defeat, 1-0 away at Eastleigh. What's going on there? Well, really disappointing. And, you know, it, it's that thing of when Pete Wilde left, they hired the assistant and it's, you know, certain Halifax fans are saying, well, he was the brains behind the operation. You know, Pete Wilde's going to go to Barrow. He's going to struggle. Obviously, Barrow have had a fantastic start to the season in League Two. And, you know, for Halifax, a lot of change made. And, you know, I'll, I'll be honest, that, that loss against Aldershot, 5-1, it was kind of one of those where you're thinking, is it going to be a case that maybe a decision is going to be made on on something? Obviously, that wasn't the case. But, you know, you, you're looking and thinking, well, they've got to bounce back. And, you know, another disappointing loss. It's a tough place to go to easily, but... You know, for Halifax, the wins need to be starting and they need to be starting really soon. Yeah, I mean, as but you look at the players they brought in. I mean, they brought in like three of the four defence that won the league at Stockport County. So um, it's it's a bit of a head-scratcher, isn't it? Yeah, it really is because, you know, they've, they've obviously really good contacts within that situation where they've been able to go, right, you know, you're not needed at the current National League champions, we'll have you. And... You know, in certain areas, they look to have actually strengthened from last season. But, you know, it is just one of those where they started poorly. And, you know, it's that thing when a new manager comes in, they normally say, judge me after the 10 games. That's normally kind of a good mark. And obviously, it has just been a really disappointing start to the season for the Shaman. Yeah, and here we are at 10 games. So, um, really sort of interesting decision to be made. Um Scunthorpe, Tom, they needed that on the third win of 2022 as well against a good dark inside. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, a, a real, you know, show of spirit as well. They've, obviously, they've been a little bit busy in the transfer market the last couple of days, getting a couple of players in. Library, one of the players they signed, getting the first goal in that. And, you know, I, th- I think that the thing with Scunthorpe is the Keith Hill situation. It, it always felt like a case of when they were going to sack him rather than if they were going to this season. And now, you know, they're looking at a couple of options in terms of that management position, whether or not they go, do you know what, give this situation a couple more games, see what happens. But that is a huge win for them. And, you know, playing a team like Dorking obviously got such a good win against Knotts last week. You know, it can give them a real confidence boost. Yeah, and Altrincham, first win of the season for their much-needed uh, Ryan Colclough from the penalty spot there. And, and Chris Pratt, who we've not heard from this season, well, he was at that game and he caught up with the Altrincham manager, Phil Parkinson, after the game. You must be very happy with that performance this afternoon and obviously the three points. Yeah, well, I've, I've uh, come out when we've been drawing and losing, delighted with performances. I was delighted up until the last 15, I felt considering the dominance we showed when we were 10 v 11, which we should do, um, to drop off the way we did. I've told the lads I wasn't particularly pleased with that. But overall, I would have took the worst performance in the world, the ball going in off somebody's backside and a win at the moment. So I can't be too critical, but listen, that's 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 the way I am. Um, but yeah, I, uh, delighted with the overall performance. I mean, one of the things that we set up there was that the sending off did change the game. Did it change how the, your, your um, team talk at half-time? Um, no, not not really. Um, I felt that 
all we had to do was be aware of the different shapes he might play. I'll be honest, he played a, a different shape to what I thought he would. It's normally a 4 4 a 1, isn't it? Or a 4 2 3. So I think he went like a 5 at the back and one up top. So, um, yeah, we just had to make sure that we weren't allowing him too much time uh, on the ball and make sure we put enough pressure on them, which we did once we got to it. Like I said, for 20 minutes, we, it was like, I don't know how we haven't scored for. We know that's what we normally do. We go and win a game four-one when it goes that way. But that's what's not happening for us at the moment. So to get the penalty, to have the man sent off, maybe today was our day for that sort of tide to turn. But then you say the tide turn, you've got Notts County away on Saturday, haven't you? So it's a tough league. I love it. I absolutely love it. The lads have been absolutely superb, um, and we've just got to refocus and go again. Did today tell you something about your players? Because it was a big game today, wasn't it? With with everything, with the defeat last week and all sorts. Did it tell you something about them? Well, not just um, last week. I mean, we haven't won yet, have mm. we? So to draw five, lose four, we've won one now. Um, we feel really aggrieved. We haven't won three of them draws. So if we win three of them draws, we're sitting in a much healthier position where everyone's loving the season at the moment. I did feel this game was magnified massively. And there's no getting away from it. It's magnified at myself, isn't it? So the lads, we, but I'd like to think the lads reflect the attitude that we display towards them. We, we, they know we're fair with them. As I said, I've been critical about the last 15 there, but I've been very positive about pretty much every performance bar maybe one or two. But when I'm saying one or two performances, we're playing some really big teams. And unfortunately, we are going to lose games in this division, but it's the manner in which we lose is really important that we, we just tighten up on that. But in general... We should, we should be in a far healthier position than what we suggest. Aldershot are massively improved, so although everybody would be looking at this, a game you should win, they're absolutely flying at the moment. They absolutely tore Halifax to pieces last week. We were aware of that, Barnet as well. Um, so uh, Notts County in the first half, they give them a right good game. So Mark's really had significant investment as well, considering where they were last season, where everyone thought they were going to go into administration, and they've turned it around with some big, big signings. I'd love to have that kind of cash to invest in us. So what we have to do is invest in the group and make sure we're as strong as we can be. Big win as well for Woken against Solihull Moors. They're the two teams that occupy the last two playoff spots in the division. A uh, bit of a surprise, that one there. Solihull Moors going down 2-0 at Woking. Yeah, I suppose Darren, Darren Sol, uh Yeah, it's a good, life, a good start to life, really, down at Woking. Obviously, after... After leaving leaving Oval, and that you know that that'll be a result that will go a long way. Obviously, James Daly dropping down um, from from League Two, and having seen quite a bit of him at Stevenage, definitely a, a definitely a really impressive player in there. If he kind of gets the games, but always seems to have struggled with injuries or or being sort of that third fourth choice striker. So yeah, I think it really is a case of they put a good squad together down there, and you know maybe I suppose looking at, at last season's results, that's a bit of a surprise, but. Uh, you know, considering the squad now that Darren Sal's put together, I think uh, yeah, it'll be one that we'll uh, we'll see a little bit more often. And obviously for for Solly Hull, a disappointment, but uh, still, you know, a pretty strong start to the season. I don't think uh, anything too much to be worried about in uh, the West Midlands just yet. Good win for Southend away at Inform Wheelstone. Marcus Dacker's with a penalty. And Tom, what's really impressive about Southend is the the shopping they've done. They've gone and almost we've talked about this over the last few weeks. They've gone and plucked out the best players from the North and South and it's bearing fruit for them. Yeah, it definitely is. You know, I think it's one of those where this time last season, obviously there was a lot of change. It was just starting for Southend and kind of that recruitment policy was being put in place. The management team was. And, you know, Marcus Dacker's last season at Chester was a real standout player. And 
it, it was a weird one for me because I was expecting, you know, him to probably get a permanent move to an EFL club, if I'm being honest, in terms of, you know, not another loan spell for him. So, you know, when Southend were the team that got him, I thought, well, you know, he'll get, he will get goals in the National League. You could tell he's, he's got that quality to make that step up. And, you know, in my opinion, he'd, he'd have the quality to, you know, do it in the Football League right now. But I think, you know, what, what Southend have done is they've kind of been able to use the mistakes of the last couple of years and kind of go against that a bit. And, you know, it really is working out for them at the minute. Yeah, and the other result, Gates said, we've seen a lot of Gates said over the last couple of years, Tom, really good football inside. And um, Maidenhead, as we know, is always a tough place to go. So a really big win for them away yesterday, on Saturday. Yeah, a really big win. And, you know, I think it, it's that thing with Gates said, when they gained promotion the way they did, it, it was always a case of if they can keep this squad together, you know, they'll, they'll be doing well. Obviously, that wasn't the case and they lost you know, Langstaff and Scott and, you know, you look at the goals that Langstaff's been able to score, but I think that's the big thing, you know, with Mike Williamson is he wants his side to play a certain way and they're continuing to play that way, even though they've gone up a division and, you know, it is good to see them doing okay at the moment. We're going to look now at the National League South and at the top, James, I'm guessing it's going to be, uh, well, the talk's going to be about absolutely because they've won once again, and haven't only drew, which means there's an actual gap now at the top of the division. Yeah, I mean, Ebbsfleet is just outrageous now, isn't it? Nine from nine, uh, and they just look like this sort of juggernaut. That how do you how do you stop them? I think looking at the the fixture going away to Hungerford, you, you expect them to kind of to go and win, but Bolpit Lane's not the easiest place to go, especially as the season wears on. Often it's not the best pitch in the league. It's quite, you know, it's, it's a bit of a trek for a lot of teams that are sort of based in London or in, in Kent or Essex. It, you know, it can be a difficult place to go. It's kind of one of those clubs that doesn't have the biggest budget, but, uh, the, you know, the togetherness and stuff makes up for a lot of that. But absolutely come away yet again with, with another win. It took just five minutes to to grab their goal, Toby Edster. And I think, you know, people have said it before, but just the quality of that squad is it, just so good. And, Sometimes, in especially at this level, it's not always the case that the best squads come out on top or those that spend the most money. But I think in this case, you know, Dennis Coltrude knows the league well now, and just there's there's no weaknesses. You know, it's very hard to kind of look at a, look at them on paper and kind of think, oh, there's a bit where you can get at them. They just from sort of goalkeeper all the way through to to the strikers, they just look like they've just got probably the best squad in the league, and they're showing it. Yeah, Joe and. Dennis Kuchib was manager of the month for August. It was announced this week, and it's looking like he'll be manager of the month for September as well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we pointed out at the start that uh, that they were going to be, uh, you know, challenges for the title, and he's really, really impressed. And and while uh, I think his stock's risen enough that there may be suitors higher up the pyramid that want him, I think he might get there himself with Ebbsfleet. Yeah, and there's a, a nice little story this week as well. Um, the two. Midfielders, squad numbers 21 and 22, Ben Chapman and Jack Paxman basically had their son and daughter. That sounds like they're together. They're not together, don't worry. The, uh, <laughs> one of them had a son, Harlow. One of them had a daughter, Sonny Ray. They were both born respectively on Wednesday morning. So congratulations to them. They aren't a couple, by the way. They have separate partners before anyone asks. <laughs> there was a... <laughs> saying absolutely one haven't, could only draw away out of Welling. A bit of a... Bit of a surprising result that Welling have been up and down, haven't they? But uh, I suppose haven't in a way 
with Epsleet keep winning, the, the pressure was always on having to try and keep up with them. And eventually it has caught up with them a little bit, hasn't it? Yeah, I think with Welling, I think that's a result that maybe kind of really puts them, you know, shows where that their quality is. I think there's a lot of question marks over them at the start of the season. I think it's always tempting to, in prediction, to kind of just whack them at the, in the top seven because they have signed some good players compared to when they really struggled last year. But obviously going and signing a load of players that are good on paper doesn't always kind of, you know, turn out to turn out well, but they look like they've kind of, you know, a real mean force at the minute and, you know, getting a, a point and well, they're winning until sort of the last few minutes at, at Haven, you know, kind of really shows, shows where they're at. And, and for Haven, I suppose, you know, the real, the real boon is Jason Pryor back in the team. Obviously had that red card early in the season. And when you've got a player like that, they're going to always going to turn up and, and nick a goal and, and keep your unbeaten record alive. Yeah, Joe, those two are well clear at the top. Do you think it is those two vying for the title? Yeah, I mean, you would probably say that it is. Um, I think our predictions in pre-season, it was a case of one of us or everybody had one of those two um, to win the title. And I think even if we didn't have them to get the title, the other team we had second. Um, So those two are the most likely at the moment. Um, I certainly don't see a lot past Ebb's fleet, the way that they're going. Um, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't uh, count out haven't just yet. Got to look at the teams in third and fourth. A bit of a surprise. I don't think anyone predicted this. Worthing in third, Chelmsford in fourth. Both had away draws. Worthing one-one away at Hemel Hempstead. Chelmsford nil-nil away at Tarnton. And we know Worthing did have a decent side when he came up. But do you think are they surprising everyone? Especially, well, I'm Chelmsford as well. There's a lot of unrest at Chelmsford. Are Worthing and Chelmsford surprising you guys at the minute? Yeah, I mean, both Chelmsford certainly the surprise, I think, for, for a lot of people. I think anyone that watched Chelmsford last year, they were a very, very poor side. Didn't seem to be a lot of inspiration there. Tom Blackwell, probably the real standout for them, a player I really like, sort of a nice tricky winger. But apart from that, didn't have a lot going forward. But to be fair to Robbie Simpson, he seems to have kind of really turned turned, turned the ship around. And, you know, I think in many ways, kind of a nil-nil draw away at Taunton will be one of those results you'll look back on in sort of March and April and be quite pleased with the point away at Taunton. I think there'll be a few sides that will come unstuck there. It's a long, long trip for Chelmsford. Um, you know, there'll be sides going there on Tuesday nights and everything like that. And they'll probably be quite pleased to come back from Somerset with, with, with a nil-nil. With Worthing, again, I think they'll probably be slightly disappointed with the 1-1 at Hemel. Uh, Hemel, again, not a great side this year by all accounts. Uh, certainly when they came to to the Bev, they, they, they were probably the worst side I've seen so far this season. But, uh, you know, still with Worthing racking up those points nice and early, especially with sort of any injuries and stuff they've had. It's uh, it's been a very impressive start. Yeah, Hemelie, your case study, aren't you, Joe? This year. Yeah, I mean, I I, I backed um, them to have a, an okay season. Um, I, I think Mark Jones is a good manager, um, but as is the way with the this podcast, whoever I tip to do well ends up doing horrific. So you can count that one on me, uh, Hemel. But um, yeah, obviously a point for them yesterday. And 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 Tartan, as, as we mentioned before, they're kind of defying the uh, the preseason predictions. They, they don't score many, don't concede many either. Only scored six, only only conceded five, but twelve points and a good solid start for Rob Jay's men. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, another one that you know I sort of keep tabs on, but it's quite local to me. Um, and yeah, Rob Jay's done a fantastic job there. Um, and yeah, they will be many picks to go down I think even I picked them to go down um, but they've started uh, they'll be quite pleased with how they've started the season I think 
Yeah, James down at the bottom. Um, Dulwich are probably the biggest surprise in the bottom four at the minute. Maybe Hungerford as well, because they've done quite well over the last couple of seasons. Weymouth, we know about their issues. We didn't think they'd be this bad, but are Weymouth and Dulwich probably the two standout teams in the bottom for you who are struggling at the minute, both lost again on Saturday? Yeah, Dulwich is a massive standout. Hungerford, I don't think, is a massive surprise, just in terms of... Uh, where we are, where they are in terms of budgets and, and everything like that. Obviously, losing Ryan Seeger and Sol Wangel Smith over the summer was sort of a, they are kind of irreplaceable, especially for a, for a club like Hungerford. But Dulwich is just the, the big standout, isn't it? It's, um, it's one of them where they've recruited well on paper. Sam Deadfield making the shift across London. Uh, Will Wood, um, someone I really liked at Ebbsfleet coming in. They looked like they'd kind of really strengthened in the areas they needed to. But uh, obviously Gavin Rowe's gone now and it looks one of those where you kind of this they've got this interim thing going on it's not quite clear whether that's going to be a, a long-term thing or who they're kind of bringing in and and you can kind of qu- very quickly find yourself sort of in sort of November December and uh, sort of chasing points already where you know there's no guarantees in this league obviously the gap to kind of propel yourself up the table isn't massive at the minute but if you kind of don't pick up results quickly then um, you can find yourself in a spot of bother. And I mean, they've got the quality there. You know, Danny Mills is as good as any striker in this league on his day, but it's whether they can actually put it together and whether it doesn't become sort of too much of a sort of negative, negative environment down at Champion Hill. Uh, and what other results have stood out for, for you guys on Saturday? I know, Joe, you, you looked at a Bath one, didn't you? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think Bath, I think a really, really good side. They've recruited well in the summer. A um, couple of good, really tricky uh, attackers, Fletcher and Cook, and uh, both of those were on target yesterday. Obviously, uh, a bit of a nightmare first half for them at Oxford, 3-0 down. Um, but yeah, they came back really well, got a draw, um, which obviously Jerry Jill will be very pleased with. Um, but um, yeah, they, they've been quite good so far. And another goal for Lolos, um, which pains me as a Torquay fan that he couldn't hit a barn door for us. And he's gone to Oxford City and uh, is, uh, is certainly uh, scoring quite regularly for them. Yeah, lots of lolos for, for him at the minute, isn't he? Lol- lolos in it, Torquay fans. Um, James, what's the st- what was another or other standout results for you in the division? Yeah, I mean, I suppose I probably have to go to Princess Park where I was yesterday for um, a big, big win for Dartford after um, sort of their shock uh, defeat in the FA Cup to Beckenham. I think it's almost you kind of you don't want to play a side when they've just been dumped out of the, the FA Cup by a step four side um, and so it proved for, for Hampton and Richmond when we went over to to Kent yesterday it was kind of quite a nothing game I think it felt for, for Dartford especially uh, that that was a, a big win for them to kind of get their season back on track obviously they'd had quite a good start and then lost to Taunton it all seemed to be unravelling but uh, you know not the best performance from from Alan Dowson's men, kind of one of those that was kind of ground out, a few mistakes, kind of gave that goal to Charlie Sheringham to get it to open the scoring. But it'll be a three points that will go a very long way. And I think, you know, Dartford aside, there are a lot of question marks over. You know, they kind of naturally will, people will predict them to do well just with the nature of, of the club in this league. But uh, hasn't been the, the start Alan Dowson would have wanted. But that, that three points will go a long way. Yeah, it's a bit it's a bit of a surprise, isn't it, Dartford? Because I think Alan Dowson went in there, and like you say, everyone automatically like, well, Dowson's is in there. He's won the division before. He did a good job at Woking, but for some reason, it's just not happened, has it? I think it's one of them. Steve King left quite late. I think that was maybe a decision. If they were going to sack Steve King, could they've done it a couple of weeks earlier? Because um, then suddenly, 
Dalson was kind of putting his squad together quite late on. And obviously, you know, he does have the benefit maybe of a bit of budget and stuff, but, and, you know, the draw of playing for Dart for one of the bigger teams in the league, but, you know, that the squad was put together quite late on. And I think that probably does a, you know, does have an impact in terms of, if you look at the sides that were able to kind of, you know, Ebbsfleet, for example, released exactly who they wanted to release and brought in who they wanted to in sort of nice, timely fashion. Same with Haven't. Uh, but for Dartford, it was a bit more of a kind of a, a repair job and putting it, building it all back together. So I suppose it was, you know, we could maybe expect a bit of a slow start and uh, a couple of low needs coming in now. Jack Smith and Stephen's coming in yesterday. It's a, it's a case of obviously the squads at the minute are the, in that kind of period of change where you do start to reshuffle the pack a little bit. And maybe that's what, what Dartford needs. Well, we're going to move on to the National League North. And at the top, it is Kings Lynn. Well, it was a good day for the Hargreaves family because... Chris's son Cameron got on the score sheet as they drew 1 1 away at Curzon Ashton. They'll be slightly disappointed, probably, that they haven't gone there and won, but a point in the road's always pretty good. And, and Kingsland haven't really um, let the disappointment of being relegated last season affect them, have they? No. You know, I, I think it was one of those where you look at a team where they kind of last season, you know, near the end of it, it was pretty obvious what was going to happen. And, you know, they've been able to kind of just use that time to get a squad together, you know, give them time to kind of almost have an extended pre-season. And they've been able to then, you know, start the campaign the way they have with, you know, a fantastic start. I think Curzon away is always a tough place to go to. I know they lost a couple of games. They lost to Banbury on the opening day, but, you know, it is always a tricky ground and, it's it's one of those where it's probably one of those where you look and go, that's not a bad point for Kingsley, all things considered. But just behind Kingsley, a Banbury, and what a season they're having. And I know we've talked about this with Dickie. I think they've been like about a million years unbeaten at home, Banbury, and they've taken that form into the National League North. And they beat another informed side in Scarborough, only suffered their second defeat of the season. Uh, what, what a job Andy Wing's doing there. Yeah, and... Again, it's that thing of when a team's got momentum, you know, real momentum, it's whether they can carry that on or not. And with Banbury, again, they started with with a win and that always seems to help a team where they can just go, do you know what? Yeah, we've gone up a division, but we can still do this. And, you know, against Scarborough, it was always going to be a really tough game. And, you know, obviously only one goal in it and a, a late goal as well, last 10 minutes for the side. But yeah, it, you know, it has been a great start for them. And, Again, it's that thing of where they really do have a fortress. You know, their home, their home form is just it is almost impeccable during this calendar year. So, you know, interesting to see if they can keep that going. Are you surprised at how well Scarborough have done so far? I mean, you know, the way that they've been able to recruit. You know, I think what they've done is they've they've been able to get in a lot of shrewd signings. You know, maybe players that you know wouldn't particularly be making. You know the big headlines, but players where you go, do you know what, that's that's a really good deal for the club. And I think, you know, the big thing is Jonathan Greening. He had, you know, there was a spell last year going into December where they lost heavily to Buxton. And, you know, there was kind of question marks about him and, you know, what, what would happen with his future, even with one or two people. But, you know what, since then, they've just been on a really good run of form. And, Again, it's that thing of the players that they've lost, they've been able to replace. And, you know, when that happens and you've got a manager who clearly has a very united dressing room, you know, you, you see the, what they put on social media, you know, there's clearly a really good atmosphere there. And, you know, all that 
added together normally does equal, you know, getting some good results. But I think, you know, obviously if they'd have won yesterday, they'd have only been a point off top spot. So, you know, it has really been a great start for the Sea Dogs. Yeah, two of the favourites in the division, AFC Fylde and Kidderminster, both had comprehensive wins. Fylde won three, went home to Bradford Park, Amgie. Kidderminster won. By all accounts, very comfortably away at Kettering. The job was done in the first half there for them. They were 3-0 up going into the break. And those two teams are starting to flex the muscles, aren't they, Tom? Yeah, definitely. You know, I think I think we've filed, you know, having Nick out and it is like having a cheat code. You know, he is just an incredible player. And, you know, it's going to be interesting there because there is interest in him from teams, you know, higher up the divisions. And it's whether or not Fylde can keep him. But, you know, the way I would look at it, if I was from a Fylde perspective, is he is your best chance. You know, he's the best player. one, Definitely one of the best players in the division. I'd say he's Fylde's best player. And, you know, for Kidderminster, they had that almost an awkward little run where, you know, a couple of results that didn't go the way, but all of a sudden now, you know, a, you know, going to Kettering is not an easy place to go to. And, you know, the way that they kind of just blew them away so early on in that match, it will give, you know, Russ Penn a lot of confidence. Bradford Park, having you then, Tom, at the other end, I mean, what what's going wrong for them? They, they crashed out the FA Cup to Ashington last weekend, who I think three divisions below them. Mark Bauer was, was fuming with that one. Um, and it's not started well for him in the league, has it? No, it hasn't. You know, and you know they lost to Kingsland on the opening day. They then gained a, a good point against Kettering and then they announced... I think it was about 10 past five after that Kettering game that Mark Bauer and Danny Boschel had signed long-term deals with the club. And then, you know, since then, they were leading Scarborough Athletic really late in that game and they conceded some goals, you know. And since then, really, you know, they've not had a good result. You know, they drew against Chorley, but it's just one of those where, you know, kind of they were saying, look, the FA Cup, we can maybe go on a little run, you know, we're playing a team three divisions below. And I know that was a, a, a controversial decision in that game, but it is one of those where, you know, just the results, the last few results just aren't going their way. And they really do need to be turning it around soon because obviously, you know, this time last year, it was a case of, well, there's only one team that goes down and, you know, teams that were at the bottom always had that bit of hope. While this season, you know, with how many go down, mm-hmm. you know, another month of bad results and, you know, there will be one or two teams that could be finding themselves a little bit cut adrift. Yeah, there'll be a lot more sweating going on this year, certainly in boardrooms. Um, in the last playoff places, you've got Darlington, who are uh, doing really well. Mark Beck's probably in the form of his career. Eight goals in six now for them. Uh, they won 2-0 at home to Peterborough Sports. Leamington, they lost 1-0 away at Southport, but they're in the last playoff spot. And Leamington are always one of those teams, aren't they, that uh, punch above the weight. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, I get a bit sick of reading some of the previews every season, to be honest, because it's always a case of, oh, well, Paul Halloran, he's, he's lost these players. He won't be able to replace them. They will struggle. And year on year, they do well. You know, year on year, they're always kind of that mid-table team. You know, obviously this season going that little bit better, but, you know, he is just a wonderful manager, you know, and the way that, Kind of, he just takes it in his stride almost. Yeah, we'll, we'll lose players. We are going to lose a couple of key players every season. But we'll replace them with players, you know, from divisions below and we'll do well with them. And, 
you know, you look at Darlington kind of, they're in that thing of they've been able to, last season in pre-season, I really thought they were going to do well. They were, they were a couple of players that were trying to get in and they just weren't able to get those signings over the line. They then kind of improved the squad a little bit more going into the, the season and maybe that damage had already been done. Well, this time round, you know, getting players like Mark Beck in, Jacob Hazel, just some really good players for the league. And what they've done as well is they've been able to get these signings done early as well. And also, you know, keep a, a majority of last season's squad where Alan Armstrong was really pleased with them. So, you know, not a shock that they're doing well this campaign. Any other results that stood out for you, Tom, in the North? Yeah, I mean, you know, for me, a big one would be what happened at Farsley Spennymore because obviously the managerial change, kind of the departure of Johnson and Morley and what was going to happen there. And, you know, I think any Spennymore fan who was at Farsley after 10 minutes would have been panicking a bit because two down and, you know, it really looked like it wasn't going to go the way. And then, you know, scoring two goals really late in that match and, Kind of it's that that thing of that could just give them that little bit of momentum now with, you know, the player departures that have happened, the managerial departures that have happened. And, you know, that's a really good point for them, all things considered. And, you know, for Farsley, a, a really big, you know, it'll feel like a huge two-point drop for them because all of a sudden they've gone from, you know, they'd have been, I think they'd have been 18th in the table, all of a sudden now they're 21st and, you know, obviously their home form last season was so key to them staying up and they really need to make the Citadel a fortress again. Yeah, and also just a special mention for, for Charlie. They've had, they've had quite a week, haven't they, Tom? They won 9-0 against Liversidge in the FA Cup replay on Tuesday and then they won 3-0 against Gloucester. So that's 12 goals in a matter of days, isn't it, at home without conceding. Yeah, you know, it's a weird one because they conceded right at the end against Liversidge and, you know, kind of that disappointment of, right, we're going to have to play now Tuesday night, FA Cup, you know, they'll have been delighted that that game went ahead then after such a win and then, you know, really good win against Gloucester City. And, you know, when you look at where they are in the table, obviously, you know, a lot of changes happened with the management situation. There were, you know, questions on what would happen, but, you know, they'll be relatively happy just outside them playoff places as things stand. Yeah, Dickie's not here, so I won't really mention Telford. They lost 2-1 at home to Boston. I know it's Pollock got the winner there, so another kick in the Pollocks for Telford and for Dickie. Uh, good win for Alverton against Brackley, and just not quite happening for Brackley this year, Tom, is it? No, I mean, you know, again, it was that thing of they've been able to year on year just narrowly miss out on on going up and year on year, they've normally been able to keep a majority of their squad. Well, this time round, you know, a decent number of them went and it was always the case of, well, what's going to happen now? Because, you know, kind of, they were just that team, that safe bet of they'll get in the playoffs and that's it because of the players they've got. And obviously, you know, the job Kevin Wilkins has been able to do this time round, losing so many players, it's kind of a really different situation for Kevin Wilkins and, Obviously, you know, you look at where they are right now, you know, they know that they'll need to be an improvement. Not a, you know, not a disastrous start of the season, but for, for where they normally are, you know, you'll be looking and thinking, you know, certainly they're three, three or so points off where they'd like to be. Yeah, Buxton drew nil-nil at home to Chester and a really big win for Hereford, Joe, wasn't it? 
Yeah, a big win for them. Um, obviously, they lost a couple of key performers in the summer um, and Josh Garland would have wanted them to make a good start um, to sort of put to bed any fears that they may struggle. Um, big game yesterday against Blythe Spartans. They were both locked on eight points going into the game um, and a 3-0 win for them. Fairly comfortable home performance. Um, moves them up to, to 16th or actually keeps them 16th. Um, and uh, yeah, Josh Garland would be really, really pleased um, with that. Um, good win for them. Why should they be worried, Tom? I know, I know you saw them last week against Geyser, but in terms of a league position, should they be worried? It's an interesting one because obviously kind of they had that new management bounce and what was happening. I've got to say, you know, against Geyser, they were, you know, absolute miles apart from Geyser. They were just so comfortable during that game. But again, it is that, that thing of for them, with so many relegation places, you you know, you they are going to have to be keeping an eye on that table and where they are right now, you know, there is that little bit of pressure. But again, they've had a, a decent couple of weeks, obviously, you know, disappointment against Hereford. But, you know, for them, it's all about trying to build from those previous results. Brilliant. Well... Thank you to Joe, Tom and James. Give us a follow on Twitter at NL Full Time. And we're also on Instagram under the same name. Give us subscribe as well on all good podcasting platforms and leave us a review as well. Enjoy your week of watching National League football. If you are watching any, we'll be back next weekend and we'll see you all very soon.